0: Chapter 13 of the History of Burke and Hare and of the Resurrectionist Times. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The History of Burke and Hare by George MacGregor. Chapter 13 James Wilson, Daft Jamie some anecdotes concerning him daft jamie and bobby all perhaps none of the murders committed by burke and hare caused so much popular regret as that of james wilson known as daft jamie he was one of those wandering naturals known to everybody and being a lad who while deficient in intellect was kind at heart he was a universal favorite only the very small and the very impudent boys troubling him here is a quotation from a small publication issued shortly after the mystery of his death was cleared up which gives us some knowledge of his manners he was a quiet harmless being and gave no person the smallest offence whatever he was such a simpleton that he would not fight to defend himself though he were ever so ill-used even by the smallest boy little boys about the age of five and six have frequently been observed by the citizens of edinburgh going before him holding up their fists squaring and saying they would fight him jamie would have stood up like a knotless thread and said with tears in his eyes that he would not fight for it was only bad boys who fought the boys would then give him a blow and jamie would run off saying that was nay, sair man ye canna catch me then about a thousand gets young brats of children hardly out of the eggshell would have taken flight after him bawling out jamie jamie daft jamie sometimes he would have stopped and turned round to them banging his brow squinting his eyes shooting out his lips which was a sign of his being angry saying what way day ye call me daft ye ear the little gets would have bawled out i'm no though said jamie as sure as death devil tack me i'm no daft at a "'Year, year!' the Gats would have bawled out. He then would have held up his large fist, which was like a Dorby's Mason's Mel, saying, "'If ye say I'm daft, I'll knock ye down.' He would then have whirled round on his heel and ran off again, acting the racehorse. Such was daft Jamie Wilson.' He was born on the 27th november 1809 in edinburgh his father died when he was about twelve years of age and his mother being a hawker he was left during her absence pretty much to his own devices he generally wandered about the streets getting a meal here and a few pence there eking out a livelihood by the goodwill of the people who as a rule were very kind to him many stories are told of him and if you are well worth repeating one afternoon in the summer of eighteen twenty jamie set off with a number of boys in search of birds nests he stayed so long that his mother became alarmed and went out to look for him during her absence jamie arrived at the house ravenous with hunger and he was so impatient that he could not wait until his mother returned so he broke open the door once in he sought every corner of the house for food in the movable wooden cupboard he found a loaf and when reaching up to lay hold of it he overbalanced himself bringing cupboard and its contents to the floor the dishes were all broken and a great amount of damage was done when the mother came in and saw what jamie had been about she was so angry that she attacked him with a long leather strap And gave him such a beating that he left the house and would not reside in it afterwards. He preferred to sleep on stairs or behind walls, except when someone offered him accommodation for the night. Jamie, like other people, had his likes and dislikes. He was very fond of some of the students attending the university, and to them he would talk readily, even offering them a pinch out of his schneeshing mill this article was a curiosity and along with it he carried a brass snuff spoon in which were seven holes the middle hole being sunday and the others round it the days of the week he was of a statistical turn of mind and could tell how many lamps there were in the city how many days in the year and such like many little conundrums he considered his own particular property and he was highly offended if any one anticipated him in their answer he liked best when they replied i gee it up and left him to supply the solution himself what a pleasure it gave daft jamie to be asked in what month of the year do the ladies talk least for he could say the month of february because there was least days in it when he was asked why is a jailer like a musician he replied because he mun take care of his key, and the question, what is the cleanest meat a dirty cook can make ready, gave him the opportunity of saying, a hen's egg is cleanest, for she canna get her fingers into it to t- take a slake it. I can tell ye a guess, Jamie would have said to a crowd of idlers who might have gathered round him, I can tell ye a guess that nae body can's, nor naybody can guest what ist Jamie would be the eager question and highly pleased the poor fellow would repeat what most of his audience had often heard before though i black and dirty am and black as black can be there's many a lady that will come and by the han tack me now he would continue no nane o oh, ye guess canna that ah no jamie some one would reply we canna guess that fickly ain what learned ye o' they fickly guesses it wiz me half stepmither. he usually answered for she's a canty body for she's I as canty as a kitten when we're a sittin beside her round the fireside she tells us heaps o funny stories but i dinna mind them, eh ah i kin your guess jamie some tantalizing bystander would remark it's a tea kettle jamie was fairly discomfited and he would run away crying because ye ken because somebody tell ye half-witted and all as he was jamie was wonderfully ready at repartee a gentleman once said to him jamie i hear you have got siller in the bank why do you keep it there because i'm keeping it replied jamie till i be an old man for maybe i'll hae sair legs and no can gang about to get ony ting frae my nineteen friends another person asked him why do the ladies in general not carry bibles to church because said jamie they are ashamed of themselves for they cannot find out the text that is very true said an old schoolmaster for i observed twa governesses sitting in a front seat in a church that i was in last sabbath and the text was in ecclesiastes and neither of them could find it out Jamie was in the habit of frequenting the house of an old lady in George Street, Edinburgh, where the flunkey and the cook were very good to him. The man often shaved him, and on one occasion when the flunkey was about to lather his customer, he remarked, I dinna think I'll shave ye ony mare, Jamie, unless ye gee Peggy a kiss. But maybe mem wad be angry, said Jamie. No, no," said the flunkey. "She'll no be angry, for who can she can? She'll no see." Laughingly, Jamie turned round to Peggy, and made to kiss her, but she stopped him and said, "A twel a twat no, Jamie. You'll no kiss me. We that lang beard, it would jag at my lips." With this repulse, Jamie resumed his seat. And when the shaving process was finished, he looked at himself in the glass. Peggy now claimed her kiss, but Jamie clapped his hands over his mouth, and replied, "Ye're no a bonny lass, ye're no bonny enough for me." And since he was proud, I'll be saucy. I'm a dandy now. Weel, then," said Peggy, "let me see how the dandies walk." AND JAMIE WALKED THROUGH THE KITCHEN WITH AS PROUD A gait AS THAT OF A HIGHLAND PIPE MAJOR. ON ANOTHER OCCASION, WHEN JAMIE WAS A LITTLE TOUCHED WITH THE WHISKEY HE HAD IMBIBED, HE MET A WOMAN WHOSE EYE HAD BEEN BLACKENED IN SOME BRAWL. OH, FIE, FIE, JAMIE, IT IS A GREAT SHAME TO SEE YOU, OR ONY SUCH AS YOU, JACK DRINK, WAS HER GREETING a wheel answered jamie what i hae in me you nor nane like ye can tack out And what way hae ye got that blue eye Hey ye fawn on the tub nay when ye was washin the woman explained that she got it by coming against the sneck of the door last night oh ay," said jamie Ye can ye maun tell the best story ye can, but I can ye been foul when ye got it and by your impudent tongue your goodman He had ta'en ye through the heckle pins I saw ye yesterday where ye said nay he ben This was enough for his reprover, and she left him an instance of jamie's carefulness has already been given in the reply he gave to the gentleman who asked him why he put his siller in the bank but two others bearing on the same point have also been preserved he was on very friendly terms with the porters on Adams square stance and one of them asked him why he did not wear an article of dress which had been given him by one of his friends "'It was o'er good for me to wear,' replied Jamie, "'for when I hae good clays, "'the folk dinna gimme ony "'Once a gentleman accosted him in George Street "'with the remark, "'Come along with me, Jamie, "'and I will give you an old coat.' "'I thank ye, I thank ye,' said Jamie, "'but I've got plenty o' old yins at ham.' "'The gentleman passed on, but... He was not far away when jamie ran up to him and said is it a gidden the reply was favorable and jamie accompanied his friend to his house where he was given a coat a hat and a pair of shoes jamie never wore a hat or shoes and although the day was very cold and dirty he could not be persuaded to don the articles given him by the gentleman and he explained that he did not want to wear them in sick hard times like many of his poor brethren in misfortune jamie was a regular attender at church and he was never known to be absent from a sermon in mr aikman's chapel he was very fond of the singing and lilted away in his own peculiar fashion an attempt was made to induce him to go to the gaelic chapel next door to mr aikman's but he said he wad gang to naebody's kirk but his ain he had a preference for sundays as on that day he was in the habit of visiting a kind friend who gave him meal and kale jamie's fondness for singing such as it was supplied a coachman in hunter's square with an opportunity of playing a practical joke on him the man asked him to sing king david's anthem and he would give him his coach and horses and make him provost jamie said the people would hear him but the facetious jehu said he would shut him in the coach having been snugly ensconced in the vehicle jamie began the singing and roared so loudly that the whole neighbourhood was alarmed among those attracted to this spot was Robert Kirkwood, another half-wit, a great friend of Jamie, familiarly known as Bobby All. Bobby saw his companion through the window of the coach and cried out, Hey, it's daft Jamie, I ken him, I see him. Jamie came out and shook hands with Bobby, who asked, Did ye get a ride, Jamie? Aye, said Jamie, but no far. The coachman then induced the pair to dance on the street, but the crowd became so great that a policeman had to put a stop to the performance. Jamie and Bobby were fast friends, and no one could get them to fight. Though frequent attempts were made to do so, they seemed to have a fellow-feeling for each other, and each of them firmly believed that his companion, and not himself, was daft. In the grass market, on one occasion they joined together to purchase a dram. On their meeting Jamie accosted his friend with It's a cold day, Bobby. I is Jamie, was the reply. What na we be the better of a dram? Hey, ye only siller man? I hey tippence and I hey fourpence said Jamie, that'll get a hail muchkin answered bobby and the pair adjoined to the public-house where the liquor was served over the counter bobby on the pretence that jamie should go to the door to witness a dog-fight that he said was going on when they came in got his companion out of the way and drank up the whole of the whisky himself when jamie came back he said he saw no dog-fight but when he noticed the empty measure he said to bobby What's come o' the whisky? Hey, ye drunk it, eh? Ye daft beast, and left me nane. Oh, I said the delinquent. Ye see, I was dry, and couldn't a wait. When Jamie was afterwards asked why he did not revenge himself on Bobby for this piece of treachery, he answered, "Ow, what could ye say?" De poor bobby he's daft ye ken once and only once did these two lads come to blows and it was then through the mischievous workings of a Edinburgh caddy or errand boy they were together in the slaughter-house when wag fell the caddy gave bobby a putrefied sheep's head he then induced him to turn his attention to something else and slipped the head to jamie with the remark that he was to run away home and boil it jamie started on his mission but he was not far gone when bobby who had been told by fell that jamie had stolen his sheep's head made up to him crying "Daff, jamie gies my head they both claimed it and in the struggle bobby struck jamie so violently on the nose that it bled profusely Jamie, however, did not retaliate, though he retained possession of his hide. It is a strange fact that these two lads both met with a violent end. Bobby All was killed by the kick of a donkey, and his body was disposed of in Dr. Monroe's dissecting room. The circumstances of Jamie's death, as being connected more directly with the narrative of this book, had better be told. In another chapter. End of chapter thirteen. Recording by John Brandon.